Welcome queen to the body love binge with me Victoria. Although we're all unique, honestly I'm no different to you. I'm just a girl who's been through some hard shit, figured out how to thrive and made it her life's mission to help others to do the same. I've beaten anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder and I'm a domestic abuse survivor. My intention for this podcast is to empower you with weekly episodes on all things food freedom, body love and of course juicy, yummy self-love so you can embody the healthiest and happiest version of you. Enjoy the episode my love. Hello queens and welcome to another episode. I have a guest with me today. I have Sloane Elizabeth and she is a holistic wellness coach and food freedom expert specialized in helping women to stop dieting, obsessing, restricting and stressing over food so that they can experience food freedom. She uses a unique and powerful combination of science and spirituality to help her clients eat with love and intuition. Sloane is also a published author and has been featured on Food Network, The Doctors, Betches and Authority Magazine. So the energy between me and Sloane is is very high. <laughs> We're both energetic beings. So you'll feel that during the episode. And we, we talk about many things, but the main things we touched on were the root of why people struggle with food, what is intuition and how we can use that when making food choices, the difference between making food choices from our mind and our body, And also she talks about her philosophy on balance and what that means from a non-diet perspective. So enjoy the episode, connect with her on social media, and don't forget to tag me and Sloane on Instagram or on your Facebook stories, and we will share you with our audience. Enjoy the episode. All right then, Sloane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Victoria. It's so fun to be here with you. I'm so excited for our convo. We've already had a great conversation before the record button was hit. (laughs) I know, I know. For all of our entrepreneurs who are listening, I wish they could listen in, but that's a conversation maybe for another time. Exactly. So we have a surprise of 10 quick fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, number one, your favorite food? Smoothie bowls. Number two, the worst diet you've ever put yourself on? <laughs> oh God, all of them. Um, I I would say just like low carb in any way was really tough and sad. Yeah, I agree. Number three, your favorite way to move your body? Mm, I love reformer Pilates um, as well as dance cardio, but I do Pilates more often, I would say. Amazing. Number four, finish this sentence. When I experience a body image trigger, I find gratitude for the fact that my body is flexible and will always change and look different. And that, in my opinion, is pretty cool. Mm, I love that. Number five, if you could have lunch with anybody dead or alive, who would it be and why? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, gosh, I don't even know. It's funny because I grew up in Los Angeles and I'm like, so not into like, quote, famous people. Um, so like, um, 
I would say maybe like Bobby Flay, like I like one of the Food Network stars. I have a dream of like having my own Food Network TV show and I was on a very tiny Food Network thing, um, like a mini series that was on Snapchat like years ago. Um, and I love watching his shows. And so I would love to talk to him about food and like creating food and cooking intuitively because that's something that I kind of tie into intuitive eating. Oh, that's so exciting. I don't know who he is, but I understand what he does now you've shared a little bit. Okay. Yes, yes. He like on the I guess right, because Food Network is American. Um, but he has a show called Beat Bobby Flay. He's one of like the iron chefs. And so he just yeah, he's great. He's one of like the best chefs, I would say, like on that network. So I love watching him and he's so entertaining and talented. Oh, awesome. Well, my a dream might come true if he's still alive. Yeah. One day, seven day. Yeah, no, he is. <laughs> Put it out to the universe, manifest yeah, it. <laughs> totally. Okay, number six, three things that you love. Mm, oh my goodness, three things I love. The ocean, um, especially in Miami because it's warm and it's really calm. I love matcha, which is what I'm drinking now. I've literally never had a cup of coffee ever. Um, I'm just tea all the way. And all of the loved ones I have in my life. I have a lot of love in my life and I'm really grateful for that. That's beautiful. And number seven, talking of love, finish this sentence. Love is. Hmm. Love is. Like the magic of souls and spirits and energies connecting and knowing each other. Mm feel that I feel that do you have a spirit animal yes ladybugs ladybugs are my spirit animals and like my sign from the universe and then mermaids are my other big sign from the universe but I wouldn't I guess consider them an animal <laughs> I saw a ladybug this morning on my walk no way because I was seeing you today there you go exactly ah oh, thank you yeah. <laughs> And it's very unusual. I mean, I'm British. We call them ladybirds for some reason because it's not actually a bird, but either way, mm. it's unusual to see a ladybug at this time of year for, in the Netherlands because autumn's coming. It's like, mm -hmm. so it was for you, I feel. There you go. <laughs> okay, you left. So number nine, what's the most favorite thing about what you do as a coach? Just like seeing the like wins and the transformations in real time and celebrating them with my clients like their win is my win and sometimes I'm even more excited for them than they are and so I get to feel that joy and excitement like every day and and that is such a blessing and just so exciting to see like so many women just like expanding into their food freedom and their healing it's like wild this isn't a question what I've written down but I'm curious that I want to know so I'm going to ask it do you know your human design and or your star sign yes okay so I am a projector Ooh, for okay. human design and I'm a Taurus sun Capricorn moon and Libra rising oh love that yeah. I love all this stuff like my listeners will know what human design is if, they, if they've listened I'm really kind of going I've gone down that rabbit hole so good 
Okay. I, yeah, I definitely resonate with it and I feel like I could use it even more because projector, the, the motto, the mantra is wait for an invitation. And I, at first when I heard that, didn't like that because I was like, mm -hmm. I am such a go-getter. I don't want to wait, but it really helps me to remember that I'm here to co-create with the universe and not chase and, you know, just like blindly go after what I want, I can like relax into what I want and attract and magnetize it and mm -hmm. expect the invitation. And then when the invitation comes, I say, yes, like that opportunity just like flows so much easier, but it's very difficult for me because I'm like, I just want it all now. And sometimes I find myself chasing instead of attracting. So I could definitely do some work on that, but it totally makes sense to me. Yeah, and it's like a permission slip, but at the same time, like the human design, um, Travis Day, he's incredible. He read my chart and he said, you know, this is this is all about you, but you don't have to still put yourself in the box of human design either. Yeah. It's just a permission slip to get to know yourself better if it resonates. So I liked that as well, because I do feel you have a lot of fire and a lot of manifesting energy in you. Yes. That's why I asked. So yeah, yeah. No, it's so interesting. Which one are you? I'm manifester. Okay. So my ego loved that because it's not, it's like 9% of the population. I was like, oh yeah, my ego loves the fact that I'm a manifester. So I don't have to wait. I just do and people follow or I tell people what I'm doing so they feel safe mm -hmm. and then I, and I do it. But I have a repelling aura and I was like, wait, what? I don't want to have a repelling aura. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? It means that apparently I can reject any energy that I don't want. So people can't read me very well, which is interesting because oh. I have my heart on my sleeve completely, I feel. Mm -hmm. But people that aren't resonating with me, I have this like energetic shield that's just like, yeah, bye. Like you can't even touch like it kind of like a warrior kind of yeah yeah that sounds like such a superpower i i kind of teach my clients something similar with like energetic boundaries i think about like a white light bubble and it's almost like a force field like in the incredibles movie the like violet the daughter right she has like the force field and so you have that like naturally built into you Exactly. That's amazing. That. <laughs> Thanks for the reflection. True that. Yeah. I'm taking that and receiving that. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Mm. And last question. What is the most challenging thing about what you do as a coach? Mm. I would say the most challenging thing isn't really about being a coach. It's more about being like a business owner and just because I'm so ambitious and I have like a lot of masculine energy, it's very hard for me to be in my feminine in like relaxing. Like I'm not good at relaxing at all. And there's always a to-do list, even though, you know, I have a great team and like people are helping me, there's still always something that I want to do that's on the to-do list. So it's challenging to feel that tension between, okay, I know that taking care of myself first and resting first is going to help me slingshot forward, right? Like slow down to speed up. But I'm also like, I kind of just want to speed up and like do all of those things. So that is something that I've been working through literally, I feel like since I started my business like three years ago. Um, but now that I'm like back in Miami, I was in New York for a year. Um, I'm like by the ocean again, it's slower. So I really feel like this year, 
like this coming year of my lease kind of is going to be really, really powerful for me to like chill. Chilling is difficult for me too, but I'm getting there. And the more you, I chill personally, the more things fall into place. So I know <laughs> I'm excited for you. To Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into your story then Sloan's. Am I yeah. saying your name correctly Sloan? Yes. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So it's a beautiful name. It's I've not really heard it much before. Yeah, me either. Um, it's technically like English, I think, if you look in a dictionary or something like that. And everybody always asks me like, oh, where's your name from? Like, where are you from? Because I've got like tan skin. Um, but I it's, I wish that it was something a little bit more interesting. Um, but I'm just Eastern European, like way back when, but really very American. And my parents just liked the name Sloan um, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the movie. And that's how my dad liked the name. And then my mom, I don't know, she had a friend whose niece was named Sloan. So yeah, I don't know. It's There's not that interesting of like a story. It's just kind of how I came to be. It's beautiful. It's, of course it's interesting because it's about you. Everyone's oh, thank you. interesting in our own way. <laughs> True. But I did like um, the 23andMe uh, DNA test because both my brother and I are like very dark features and every like once a week people ask me what ethnicity I am and where I'm from. And so and I'm Jewish. So my parents are like, we're, we're just Jewish and like Eastern European. That's it. I'm like, there's got to be more. So I did the 23andMe. No, 99.9% just Eastern European, like wow. purebred. So interesting. I wonder, yeah, I'm going to look into that myself now. Thanks for the inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. Yeah. So can you share how you became, so the main highlights of your story, because I have loads of other juicy questions for you, how you became the woman that you are today and what led you to helping women around food and body, body image issues? Absolutely. So I, it's funny because I remember a specific moment where like I was really struggling with my relationship with food in my body. And I was like thinking, I really never thought I would be one of these people. And I never had like a full diagnosed eating disorder. And I remember like plenty of girls in my high school who did. And previously, like my relationship with food was like totally normal, totally fine. Body image, like totally fine. I was always really confident. Um, and I was and I loved food. I was like, I would never starve myself. Like I could never do that. I love food too much. And then it was when I was like 17, my body changed and I gained weight. And it was now looking back, I realized it was just like delayed puberty because I had gotten my period when I was 14, but my body really did not change at all. And I grew up as a dancer. I was cheerleading. So I was very like active and I knew that was definitely stunting my growth, even like height wise. Um, and so I started freaking out because I was like, okay, I've gained weight. Like what am I doing wrong? Because it it seemed to me to be kind of random because it wasn't like, oh, you're 13, like your body's changing. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided like I had to do something. I had to make a change. I had to figure it out. And I was always like very into science. Um, my mom thought I would go to medical school. I didn't, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna like figure out nutrition. 
And so that led me to Pinterest and Google and all of like the diet cultures and magazines because it seemed scientific. I thought it was real. And so that's where the low carb came in and, you know, exercising after cheer practice and like all these things. And yeah, I was like, I cannot believe that I'm one of those people now. Like, why me? This is so unfair. And of course, again, like zooming out big picture, the reason for maybe not the entire reason, but I think a big reason for my struggle was because I do have this gift now of being able to coach. Um, and I feel like I've always been a natural coach, like for friends, for loved ones. I've always been entrepreneurial, like since I was five selling lemonade on the corner, like I was never going to have a boss. It was just known from like a very early age. So that combination of like growing, like needing to like own my own business, loving science, loving food and baking, and then my own struggles kind of just like culminated into what I'm doing now. Um, of course, there was a lot in the middle, but that's kind of like where it led to. And I had originally been doing some like kind of general health coaching, but I, I knew it wasn't just about food and I didn't want to tell people just to like eat more vegetables and drink more water and like exercise. I knew it needed to be deeper. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, do I, am I like a self-love coach or am I a health coach? And then I remember I was like discussing with this with my boyfriend and he was like, well, why can't you do like both like the food and the self-love? And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's it. Um, and then I created my method of eating with love and intuition combining science and spirituality, which was a really big part of my healing journey. Um, and it's just, that's what it's been like for the past few years. Oh, I love that. It's almost like, well, not almost like, I believe it is. You had to go through your own struggle to experience what your clients now are experiencing, to have the depth of wisdom and compassion to get them through to the other side where you are. That's what I believe in, in, in why we struggle. Do you feel the same? Totally. And I also believe that you don't always have to struggle in order to like find your career or your passion. And even the things that some of the things I help my clients with are things that I haven't been through. And I think that, you know, based on again, like my astrology and my chart and human design and all the things I read about, like my North node and South node, like everything kind of tells me that I am from another like planet or, you know, have like been a spiritual teacher in past lives. And my literal mission in this lifetime is to bring what I know from like up here, bring it down to earth, package it up in a digestible way and make sure that everybody knows about it. Like that's literally what the astrology says. And I'm like, oh my god um so i think that yes me going through my own struggles absolutely like informed what i'm doing and made me really like understand it and feel it and at the same time i think it's just like what i was meant to do kind of no matter what and maybe the category of like food and body image was what came through this life i don't know but definitely like looking back at 17 year old sloan who was like why me like this is so unfair of course it all makes sense now yeah how old are you now if you don't mind sharing i'm 25 25 yeah and you're similar to me i started my business about three years ago 
as we're recording this now 2022 sometimes I forget the year you know like because we don't really write it anymore (laughs) yeah oh my gosh totally yeah and thank you for sharing that and the next question I have for you what do you think from personal experience and then the work that you do with your clients what is the root I know everyone's different but what do you find a common theme with the root of food struggles like stemming from Yeah. And I'd love to know your answer to this too, but I see kind of like three or four main roots. Um, One is control for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, Where life feels out of control, food is something that you can control. Um, Safety. So either safety in the body, like if you've experienced different like medical traumas or it felt unsafe to be alone, like when you were younger. So it's like abandonment um, or, you know, if you don't trust your body and your hunger cues because somebody taught you that like you had to diet and your body wasn't trustworthy, then that relates to safety. Self-worth, I would say is probably like the biggest one, feeling lovable. Um, So I guess self-worth and self-love kind of tie in together and then fear just like the blanket of fear anxiety stress um lack energy i see kind of across the board in different ways in my clients so yeah if we're talking fear is like the biggest umbrella then i would say those other three are underneath of control perfectionism etc safety trust um and then self-worth self-love yeah, I can't really add to the, what you've said because I, I see in myself and my clients, 99.9% of the reasons people come to me with their food struggles is because they don't like the way their body looks. Therefore, they try to manipulate their food and then it all goes wrong from there. But then there's a deeper layer to just not liking your body. And like you've already shared, it comes down to feeling like you're not enough in your authentic, natural body and your natural self. And of course, on top of all of that, through trauma and conditioning comes like control and abandonment. Like it's all kind of intertwined. But if you're looking at it as like a pyramid, so to speak, or a triangle, the bottom is lack of self-worth and self-love, which is just a tiny bit higher than self-worth in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. No, I completely agree. And even, you know, sometimes I do have clients that are okay in their body image and they're like, I'm actually good with how I look, but I still feel out of control with food. And then to me, that signifies more of like the control part and the safety Mm -hmm. part um and also you know if you're binge eating if you're restricting then there's some layer of self-sabotage also like you don't feel like you deserve ease and peace and freedom with food and so that's one of the first things i work on with my clients is like let's make sure that you actually feel you know like you're ready to receive this healing and this journey because if you're not then you're just going to go through the steps and you're going to continue to self-sabotage even as you make progress so i think there's you know there's a lot of like pre-work that has to happen um that is kind of like my module one you could say in my program about like okay let's be fully honest with where you're at let's start forgiving yourself before we move on let's get comfortable with where you are right now, which is very uncomfortable for people because they're like, I don't want to be where I am right now. I want to leave where I am right now with food and dieting. But in the long run, it's going to help you a lot when kind of like we're saying with productivity, like you slow down, get 
you know, grounded where you are, it's going to be a lot easier and faster to get to where you want to be. Yeah, it's so interesting. I have the same in my first modules because most people want, give me the answer to what I'm going to do with food. Like, tell me how to change my Mm -hmm. behavior. Well, the behavior thing you've been changing in diet short term for however many years, and that doesn't work. Plus you're fighting your biology. So that's another story, which I'm sure we're going to go into. Mm -hmm. So my first modules are, why are you where you are? How did you learn it? What's your conditioning? And also a question which people find very strange, but they can definitely answer is one of the questions on my journaling. Why wouldn't you want food freedom and self-love, even though you know you do? Yeah, it's the fear of success, isn't it? And that's what the self-sabotage is like. I'm not worthy of like having everything I want. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Okay. I literally brought this up to someone yesterday in one of my like group coaching calls. It was, I I said like, you are scared of having success. And she was like, oh my God, (laughs) like, why did you call me out like that? Um, And I feel like the same happens with literally everything in life. And that's what I love about helping people find food freedom. You know, if you can see it, you can also use it for life freedom, right? Like, why are you scared of being seen and being successful in your career and putting yourself out there? Why are you scared of success with money? Is it that you think when you have a lot of money, you're going to be greedy or people are going to not like you anymore, right? It's it's all the same thing. I really believe that everything is just energy. And so if you can eat with love and intuition, you can work with love and intuition, you can date with love and intuition, exercise, earn money, you know, travel, like, literally anything so I love that you mentioned that the fear of success it's have you read there's two books and this is for for you Sloan and our listeners yeah they would have heard me mention these before there's one book called the big leap by Gay Hendricks have you heard of that Mm, one I've heard of it but not read it yet it's it's really good it's read by a man it's not too masculine but it's about learning how to um, expand your capacity to receive and hold pleasure and abundance that's a really Mm. big one And the second book, Existential Kink, have you read that one? (gasps) You need to read that one. It sounds like a sex book. It's not at all. (laughs) Even if it were. (laughs) It's not a sex book. I can't think of the author, but it's such an unusual name. You will Google it and you'll find it. The philosophy of that book is that the key takeaway for me anyway is having is evidence of wanting so even if you're experiencing a relationship or relationship with food or a job and you're like consciously I don't want this in my life Um, unconsciously you're choosing that because of different reasons so you have to be ready to read the book because it's about taking radical responsibility for like all of your past mm -hmm. shit and having is evidence of wanting so that's a big one it peels back even more layers and get to know yourself better oh my god I love 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 that and speaking of I'm gonna write those down speaking of radical like responsibility that's something that I've been hearing a lot from one of my this coach who I love her business programs and manifestation programs her name is Katrina Ruth um she's Australian and she talks about a combination of like okay, you don't need to do anything to receive and to manifest. Like you really don't, but also like you got to fucking hustle because that's what your soul and your passion want you to do. And you have a responsibility to yourself to, you know, take care of yourself basically to follow your dreams. So 
that's been really helpful for me and my clients recently because I'm very anti willpower and self-discipline because, right. So my kind of like steps in my framework are work through the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, and then take action. So when your subconscious mind is in a place of self-love, self-worth, peace, trust, safety, and your conscious thoughts are abundant and positive and loving and healthy, you're going to take action that is the most aligned and intuitive for your body and with food, etc. And so you don't need self-discipline. You don't need willpower. You need the root of the self-love. And so if you love yourself enough, you will want to be responsible for having the best life possible. And so I found that to be way more helpful than feeling like I need discipline or I need to you know, like keep myself in check. No, instead of that, it's I have a responsibility to myself to keep the promises to myself and to do what I say I'm going to do, right? To put myself in a situation where I have coaches and mentors for success, to treat my body the way that it deserves to be treated and to be responsible for that. Because as you are saying, we are responsible for our reality, at least part of it. I believe that we're co-creating with the universe, God, source, whatever. So I love that you mentioned that. Totally resonates. And I love that because I swapped the past year or so, I swapped the word discipline to effort because in my opinion, there's a difference between discipline. It's very masculine and kind of, it reminds me of all the diets I've been on and the grueling exercise regimes I've been on. And there's effort, you know, if you can take um, an aligned action with effort, you have to take effort in life to, in order to receive what you want. And then I also switched the word committed to the word devoted because of the more feminine because like you I've been on my own journey to come back into my feminine instead of being like masculine do 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 like yin 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 and then a little bit of yang I'm like yeah. finding the balance within myself so anything even the language that we use right I mean you know words are so powerful there's a reason why I'd say how do you spell that because we're casting spells every time we speak so mm-hmm. when we change the words from discipline to effort or from committed to devoted. For me personally, that just feels more feminine and more loving. You're still going to get to the same place, probably more so from that like kind of different energy, I feel. Totally. I love that. I am such a stickler for language also. I feel like we're the same person. Um, (laughs) And my clients will be like, okay, but that's what I mean. I'm like, I know that it's what you mean and it might be the exact same definition, but the words matter. Like my least favorite word ever is indulge. It sounds like something, you're doing something wrong or naughty. Yes. Yes. And it's just like a gross word. Like, like the ULG, I'm like, oh, I hate it. And so you can't say indulge without something coming after, right? Like, oh, I indulged in, you know, some cake, uh, dot, 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 right? Or even like I indulged in, you know, like that sale and bought myself some shoes. Oops, like there, there's something that comes after it. Why can't you just say I ate cake, I bought shoes, like make it more neutral mm-hmm. even is better than some of those words that just inherently carry shame 
and guilt and like sticky negative energy. And they're like, oh yeah, that's what I meant. I'm like, okay, say what you actually mean though, right? With the, with the right word that carries the right energy. Yeah, it's so powerful. It really is. How, let's talking of energy and intuition and all of that magic, which is what we are, in my opinion, yeah. how can we use intuition to know what, when, and how to eat? So someone that perhaps has been practicing intuitive eating, and as you and I both know, that can also be a diet because diet yeah. is not an action, it's a state of mind. How can we mm-hmm. use our intuition to guide us what to eat, regardless of whether it's healthful or nourishing or less nourishing if it feels right. Totally. So this is something that I'm super, super big on because I unfortunately see too many intuitive eating practitioners just telling people that your intuition is what you're craving and like, that's it. And for me, when I really healed my relationship with food was when I discovered my relationship with the universe and with my higher self and with my angels and guides and source. And I realized that our intuition is like a superpower that we all have, but most of us are letting it lay dormant. Um, And so I like to think of our intuition in three parts. So we've got the soul intuition, and that's what a lot of people think of in the more like spiritual woo-woo realm that your intuition is like this gut knowing it's like, you know, you see your sign, right? I see my ladybug and I just like know that that was meant for me. Um, I just like have a gut feeling that I should say yes to that or no to that. So that's one piece and that's a very important piece. We also have body intuition. So if you are, let's say in a situation and you're not even fully conscious that you're uncomfortable, but you start crossing your arms that's body intuition. Or when your body feels really exhausted, right? And you're like, no, I want to go work out, but your body's like clearly tired. That's body intuition. Or let's say you ate something and then it doesn't agree with your stomach. That's body intuition. And then we also have mental intuition because we have knowledge, we have education, we're smart, logical, and that gets to be included in our intuition as well and gets to inform decisions. And I like to think of all three of these pieces really working together to give us a clear answer. And I really believe that 90% of the time the answer is already within us. Sometimes you might need, you know, testing or medical professional, especially when you're trying to figure out like what your body needs, but really deep down, I think we know all the answers. So taking that into food, then it's not just about what you're craving, because let's say that in the beginning of your healing journey, you're craving French fries 24 seven, you're craving chips, right? All day, every day. Is that the most loving for your physical health? Like, is that actually what your physical body genuinely wants? Doesn't want French fries for every meal? probably not. And so when we just say, oh, your intuition is just what you're craving, it's like so surface level and it's just not enough. So instead it's this internal knowing that's a combination of what you know to be true just because you know it, what the universe is guiding you to know in those signs, how your body is feeling and the knowledge that you have and that you feel empowered with. All of that together will help to inform you about what you want to eat, how much, when, etc. And it's definitely a learning process to start tapping into that intuition because it's the voice is softer than the fear voice. Yeah. And you have to be open to listening 
to that voice, similarly to hunger cues and fullness cues. I've got a lot of clients that are like, those cues are not there anymore, like they're numb because I've been ignoring them. Okay, so the best way to get them back is to at least start opening up the conversation with those cues, right? Ask, huh, am I hungry? Am I full? Even if the answer isn't clear yet, you have to ask. You have to open up the line of communication, similar to your intuition. That's why I do love a morning routine. I love meditating. I love journaling because those are kind of like channels to open up communication to see what kind of information, intuitive knowing, downloads are coming through. Because if you're just on autopilot and you're go, 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 and you're just listening to your logical brain, your intuition doesn't even have a chance really to like drop in and give you those nudges and that information because it's more subtle and you have to develop a sensitivity to it. I've never heard it explained in the three ways you've explained it before. That's beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Do you ever get asked, because I get asked this question in different ways throughout, like when I support my clients, they say to me, how do you know the difference between what your mind wants and what your body wants? So I'd love to hear like your response or your wisdom on a question like that. Yeah, ultimately, I do believe that they want the same thing. But a lot of times when you've been manipulating your mind and you've been manipulating your body, the wires get crossed and the signals get confused. And so part of healing is knowing you're going to get to a place where most of the time, like your mind and your body are actually on the same page. For example, yesterday, I it was like afternoon, I'd been sitting all day and part of me really wanted to go to the gym to get some movement in. Like my body really wanted that deep down, but my body was also like, oh, sitting kind of feels good. And then my brain was like, okay, you know, I'm we're tired. Like it's the end of the day. Let's not go. But my brain was also like, no, you, you made a promise to yourself that you're going to do what feels good. And that means getting some movement in. And so both my body and my brain were saying separate things and they were saying separate things from each other. But when I cleared away my own BS and the excuses and the fear, the answer was the same, which is, yeah, movement is gonna feel good. It doesn't have to be a full 60 minutes. It's not gonna be intense, but it's gonna be some movement. And that's what I did and it felt super great. So the I feel like the most common way that this question comes through is like, brain is hungry, body is not. Like that's kind of like the scenario that I see this the most. And so I don't really love the term mental hunger. I think it kind of like confuses things, honestly. Um, so instead I would say, okay, if you're physically full, then let's find a way to feel like fulfillment and satisfaction mentally. Like why do you still want food when you don't actually want food, what are you trying to fulfill? What void, what gap, what lack are you trying to fill up? And what are you actually like hungry for? If you're not hungry for food, what are you hungry for? Is it that you're hungry for comfort? Is it that you're really craving attention? Are you craving comfort? Um, are you craving something else to like sink your teeth into, right? Like a really good book, right? Um, and also remembering that there are an abundance of opportunities in 
the future to eat again. So this is maybe an example of where you would want to say no to food, but out of love. By saying no to food out of love, you're saying yes to something else. So you're saying yes to your physical body not feeling like overly stuffed. You're saying yes to, you know, getting excited for that food to eat it tomorrow or later when you're actually hungry for it because it's going to taste better when you're actually hungry for it. So when the brain isn't fully in line with the body, that's when we ask, okay, well, what is your brain actually hungry for? If it's not food, what do you actually want deep down? And that's where we get into like the subconscious root and the root of like, you know, why the dieting started in the first place and integrate abundance thinking and abundance mindset that says, okay, it's okay if you don't eat again right now because there is going to be more food in your future. You don't have to worry about that. And you can kind of like rest and relax into that knowledge of your abundance yes I love the reassuring kind of words that you're using because you and I differ in this case because I work with mental hunger but Mm -hmm. I work with women who well who have binge eating restrictive eating disorders which is a Mm -hmm. binge eating is a reaction to that and I experienced personally if I was thinking about food it doesn't necessarily mean I was hungry physically but it was like a safety thing it was like a it was a worry that there's not going to be enough. So to yeah. the the way that you could sit with yourself and reassure yourself, like, look, sweetheart, you can have more food now if you want. You're going to be over full, but that's okay. If you want more food, it's there right. for you. Mm-hmm. So I think the reassurance and the safety is key, isn't it? Because the there's so many diets that people have been on, their body's like freaking out, like there's never going to be enough. So even though you're physically full, there's also not enough because she's going to starve herself for like however long because we have proof of this for x many years so I think you and I differ in that way a little bit but we still come back to the reason for that is like we need the reassurance that there's enough and then over time we absolutely have the conversation of like well I'm actually full I do know and feel safe that there's enough food coming Mm -hmm. therefore shall I wait to have dessert until I'm hungry again later So it's just like calming yourself down and treating yourself with calmness and reassuring that there's enough. So I think we're definitely on the same wavelength with like the kind of root of where that would come from. Completely. And I think it also, you know, depends for me, like which client I'm working with, because oftentimes I'll give them both options. I'll say, hey, if you feel like this mental craving for food, go eat the food. Like it's fine. But if you know deep down that eating more, worrying now that you've overeaten and that you're stuffing yourself is going to be more triggering for you, then let's try this other route that maybe is a little bit more advanced, like you were saying, where, okay, now that you feel safety and you've integrated that, now we can say no out of love. So I think it depends on like, which one is going to be most supportive for you? Is it going to be more supportive to just feel safe and satiated with more food or to start, you know, integrating that trust and safety mentally so that you can take a pause and feel like your body isn't, you know, too full. So it's totally nuanced. And I think it has to be very specific for the person 
and where they're at and what is going to be the most aligned and helpful for them. Yeah, fully, fully, fully agree. Absolutely. Because there's some clients that are kind of further along in the advanced kind of way of, mm-hmm. I know what they've been through and perhaps they might, they might be eating literally just because it's in front of them, which again, it's okay. The stakes are very low here. However, right. how would you feel like, what feeling would feel like a relief? Would it be to finish what's in front of you because that's okay, but you might perhaps feel sick afterwards or like overfull, or would it feel better to have it later? So I agree. It's having everyone's different. The ultimate thing that needs to come first, in my opinion, is a feeling of there is enough. You're a grown ass mm. woman. You can get whatever you want and eat whatever you want. Yeah. To really bring that home and be like, okay, from the place of abundance and love, what do I choose? And acting from love instead of acting from fear like oh my god there's not enough like I need to well actually just coming back down to the present moment and all of that so I'm glad we've had Love this because people are going to be on different ends aren't they whatever feels right for totally. them in that question totally yeah I love that there's always options and as you said ultimately the stakes are super low which is a great thing yes we feel like it's not but it, yeah. it really is I'm looking at the time have you have you got 15 minutes Totally. Okay, great. Love, because I have, I know the time is just flying together. It's I insane. know, I know. Okay, well, <laughs> what's your philosophy on like, I know balance in kind of air quotes, because that mm-hmm. has unfortunately, in my opinion, been ruined by the diet industry. Yep. <laughs> how do you see balance and how do you work with clients around that word? Yeah. So another beautiful example of why language is so important and how clients will say, oh yeah, that's what I meant. And I just encourage them to use kind of a different word because I I went into the dictionary and I looked up what balance really meant a while ago. And it means two or more things are in equal proportion or they're the same mm-hmm. or they're in a specific proportion. That's what balance is. So it's like specific measures or like equal measures. So like 50-50 is balance, 80-20 is also balance, if that's what you are labeling balance as. Mm -hmm. So my problem with that then is that, again, it's specific. That's what the definition says. So if you're trying to follow the 80-20 rule, then what happens if you're at 75-25? Or what happens if you're at 90-10? Technically speaking, you're no longer in balance. And you're only in that perfect state of equilibrium for a fraction of a second. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're on one end and then the other. And ultimately, the average result is going to be balance. Like zooming out average across not even a day, not even a week, maybe the month, but like your entire life is probably going to be, yeah, balance. But when that's your definition and you're trying to always live by the 80-20 rule, always be in balance, you're going to feel like you're failing every day mm-hmm. because it's, again, that that moment of balance is a fraction of a second. So instead, I have created this term and method called the gray zone, which basically says that instead of being in black and white, all or nothing, right, thinking, we have a sh- like a, an entire gray scale within every different aspect of our life. And within that grayscale, it feels good. And when you zoom out across your entire life, you're gonna be balanced. You're gonna be in that like perfect middle gray. But 
throughout life, as long as you are between the dark gray and the light gray and you're not getting into the black or white, you're going to be good and you're going to be fine. So let's say that you know, one side of the scale is like eating out at restaurants and one side of the scale is cooking at home. And you feel like, okay, if I'm always eating out every single meal, you know, 21 meals in the week, that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. But if I force myself to cook 21 meals in the week, that feels like not fun and too restrictive. Okay. So thinking, what would be like the maximum edge of each of those, you know, colors that would still feel good? So let's say maybe it's that you are traveling, you travel for work or something, or you're going on vacation. So it's like, okay, you know, maybe half of my meals I eat out, but half of them, you know, I find a way to cook or I get, you know, something from the grocery store and kind of make it myself. So that's one side of the grayscale. And then the other side is, okay, I'm cooking most of the things at home and I'll go out at least once a week, right? That's not all the way to the other side, but it's there. Okay. So now you know your parameters for the gray scale, for the gray zone. And anywhere that within that gray zone with between those parameters is different shades of gray. So that gives you a lot more flexibility and permission to fluctuate within that balanced gray zone instead of saying, I have to be 80-20 all the time. I have to, you know, cook 70% of my meals every single week. It's not going to happen and you're going to feel like you've failed. Similarly to maybe going to the gym. Okay, going seven days a week doesn't feel good. Going zero days a week doesn't feel good. If I'm really feeling energized, maybe five is my max. If I'm really feeling exhausted, maybe two is my minimum. Okay, mm-hmm. so now five and two are the you know bookends of your gray scale. So five feels good, four and three and two feel good. Ultimately, it's gonna average out to you know three and a half, right? Cause that's like right in the middle. So that example was probably better than the restaurant example, Um, but that's how I work with, quote, balance. And again, you can apply this to work and life or Mm -hmm. restaurants and cooking or more carb focused meals and more protein focused meals or, you know, exercise like everything really can fit into a a gray zone when you find that gray scale. I love that. I call it the colorful area because most Mm. clients are black or white. I'm sure you Uh, were the same as well. So living in the black or white, it's not fun either end, as you've explained, Mm. like with Mm -hmm. the the black and white and the gray in the middle. So I love the fact that you've given yourself kind of, I I feel the word effort, not discipline, effort come in with the workout example. If you're feeling tired, okay, sweetheart, let's go with a minimum of two then because of all the benefits I get from that, which none of them, just to remind our listeners, has anything to do with calorie burn or weight loss or everything else that comes with body movement. And also with eating out at a restaurant and cooking at home, it's all to do with, I mean, we all know Christmas, right? Over Christmas time, the environment, we have loads of, loads more food. There's like more mm-hmm. um, nu- like nutrient dense foods in terms of vegetables, but there's a lot more nutrient, less dense foods, such as mm-hmm. all the chocolates and all of that. And all of that's okay. But towards the end of Christmas, regardless of whether you have disordered eating or not, we're kind of all ready to get back to a little bit of a routine and yeah. cook more at home and to have more foods that we're perhaps used to because we're kind of feeling like a bit blur yeah 
So it's kind of, I see it as that example. Like if you ate out at a restaurant like every single night, I mean, it would be wonderful like in your mind to think of that. But then if you do that, you're going to want to naturally swing towards yes. eating more at home. And it's kind of your body guides you anyway, doesn't it? Completely. And I love that you said it really is natural when you let your body speak to you and yes. when you trust your body, when you do the healing, when you become on the same team as your body, your intuition is there. The cues are there, but you have to be open to it because your body might be asking for it, but you might say, fuck you, I'm not going to listen. Um, and so that's why I feel like listening to your body is not enough also. I think that's another kind of just like surface level thing that we hear a lot, but you can listen and not understand, right? You can feel, okay, I feel a certain type of way. I don't know what that means. Maybe you say, okay, I do feel hungry. I feel this, I feel this sensation. I understand it's hunger, but I'm not going to act on it. I'm going to wait until the clock says, you know, it's 7 PM and I can finally eat dinner. So it's about listening, understanding, and then implementing and taking aligned action from that place of self-love, self-worth, responsibility, effort, etc. So listening, oh, my body feels a certain way. What does that, what does that feel? Oh, it's that I want more fresh foods. I want more nutrient dense foods. I want more fiber. Okay, great. Now I can take action from that place without starting a diet or going on a cleanse or resetting myself. I can just do it and trust that that's the most loving thing for my body. And that's exactly what it's asked for. A hundred percent. In terms of like, I love to give this example as well, because people find it easier to have an example that has nothing to do with food because of all the food rules and food yeah. they have in their bed, like in their bed, because I'm thinking <laughs> in their head, like messing things up. So people, most people who don't enjoy their job, who don't have perhaps a morning routine or get to bed on time, they, they would say, oh my God, I would love to be able to never have an alarm every morning and to sleep in until noon or whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Well, I then challenge them and say, okay, imagine if you had that opportunity for the rest of your life to literally sleep in to as long as you wanted, how long do you think that would actually last? And then when they think about it, they wouldn't want to do that every day for the rest. They would have a couple of weeks probably of really enjoying the fact they don't have to get out of bed until a certain amount of time. But over time, they're going to be bored of wasting a whole day in bed, right? Totally. So I experienced that with chocolate. When I found food freedom, I ate a shitload of chocolate. My body kind of wasn't loving it. I didn't mm -hmm. understand what I understand now. So I was kind of still having it just because I could. My right. body was like, yeah, but this you have no fiber, you have no bed, it doesn't feel yeah. like it. And then over time, the more I kept allowing naturally, my body was like, can we have some green vegetables? Can we, and mm. you're exactly right. So if we get out of our own way and stop trying to like make rules up in our head, like even when I used to binge at Christmas, if my body was craving a nutritious light meal, I'd be like, nope, because you've got three days left to eat what you want. So you need to get it in now and feel yep. like shit for another three days. Yeah, take advantage. Where you can start your, start your diet. So mm -hmm. it works both ways and it's just listening. And then like you've wisely said, listening, understanding, and then acting, not just listening and being like, okay, cool. Not gonna do anything <laughs> about it though. Completely. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, and I find that when people, when clients have that realization like you did with the chocolate, that like, 
oh my goodness, I've had chips in the house for two weeks and I've only eaten a third of the bag. Like I forgot Mm. it was there. Like, oh my God, that is one of my favorite ones to celebrate because there's a little, there's a hump that you have to get over and it's a hump of trust because people are scared. They're like, no way. If I have it in the house, I will binge. Like there's just no way. And so that's why having a coach, having a support system, having a mentor to help you get over that hump and show you why it's safe. Yeah. So worth it. Cause once you're on the other side, it's like, oh my God, that was so much easier than I made it up in my head to be. It's so freedom and I'm no longer scared of chocolate. It's just chocolate. It's delicious. But I'm no longer like, like love or hate relationship with this drug that I once thought I was addicted to. And mm-hmm. <laughs> turns out the more if the turns out if you want to feel addicted, because you can't be addicted to food, then restrict it and make yourself feel bad for when you inevitably binge on it over time get the whole world to mirror that back to you and say the same thing and then I guarantee you'll feel addicted when all you need to do is fucking eat it and eat more (laughs) of it and then listen to your body amen (laughs) amen last question because I think I really really wanted to ask you this question Sloan what do you do if your clients aren't spiritual per se but of course they've come to you and they want to heal. How do you navigate that when it's like part of who you are? Totally. Yeah. And I like everything that I do is, you know, the spirituality and the science, even in my business, it's spirituality and the strategy Um, in my life, it's spirituality and logic. And so I would say most of the clients that come to me are so excited about that. Either they themselves have a connection to spirituality or they're interested in it. They are dabbling in crystals and manifestation and they want to know more. And some of them like have never heard of it before, or they say, oh, well, I'm not spiritual. To me, although I do love practicing certain like typical woo-woo spiritual things, like I follow the moon, right? We talked about human design. Um, For me, spirituality is really about the fact that we are all spirits having a human experience. And so if you are a human, then this will work for you and you can relate to it on some level um, about just coming home to your spirit, your essence, your soul, really peeling back the layers of the societal conditioning, other people's truths, the fear, the ego, so that you can really just live the life that you want to live according to your spirit. So I've got people who are really religious and that's totally okay. You can replace the word universe with God or people that aren't and that's okay. You can replace universe with just like your higher self or the best version of yourself. And that is really the goal, helping you to, you know, kind of peel back some of those human layers and just get in touch with like your essence. That's one of my favorite words to describe this because it's hard to put into English words when we're talking about energy, Um, but it really is just energy. And so that's why spirituality is so important to me and so important in food because we are integrating that abundance mindset as we've been talking about throughout this episode that like there is enough and integrating safety and you know bringing in inner child healing and law of attraction. Um, And it's just about the fact that we're all spirits and souls at the end of the day. I love that. What would you like to leave the listeners with before you share with us how we can work with you? Mm, I 
Uh, well, I feel like we shared so much and I'm so grateful for this conversation. Um, but I would say, I just want everyone to know that like this healing that we're talking about is possible for literally every single person. I really, really believe that. And it makes me sad when people say, you know, I don't think it would work for me because X, Y, Z. And it's just self-sabotage. It's more self-sabotage. It's more fear. And I really promise that it can be your reality also literally no matter your age no matter your background no matter where you live what you've been through like we food freedom is really our birthright like it's how our bodies are meant to experience this world it's how our minds are meant to experience this world and i just wish everyone knew that because you know if you don't believe it's possible then you might not put yourself in a container, set yourself up for success to like do the healing work. So just know that I, I'm not just saying this, like I really fully with my heart believe that everybody is meant to experience this and it is for sure possible for everybody. I agree. So if that is the sign that you were looking for, this is your sign to reach out to me or Sloan and how, and how can we reach out to you and what have you got capacity to take on clients? How do your containers work. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I always pretty much have capacity because I've got a few different programs that allow me to serve many um, with just being me and my small team. So the best way to connect with me is on Instagram at Sloan Elizabeth, um, and you'll find all of my resources there. And my website is sloan-elizabeth.com. Um, if you want more of an introduction into my method and how it all works, then you can watch my free masterclass, which is linked kind of all over both of those platforms or send me a dm and just say that you're interested um for most of my programs i do you know a complimentary consultation i don't really let people just sign up without talking to me because i want to make sure that we are creating a pretty like custom solution that's going to be the most ideal for you and if i don't think that i'm the best person to help you i will tell you that and i will give you a recommendation for something or someone else because i only you know bring people on that i know i can help and change their life and i want to make sure that you are successful so that's why we can have a conversation and explore it more or you can just kind of stalk me on instagram and get all the free content there too yeah your reels are great don't go and thank check you. out her reels for sure <laughs> thank you and thank you so much Lane, for your for your time and your wisdom and your amazing energy likewise. I really appreciate it likewise thank you so much Victoria you're welcome and Queens I will see you in the next episode much love I hope this episode was everything you needed to hear today and more. If you love this podcast, then please screenshot this episode and share it to your Instagram or Facebook stories and tag me at Victoria Kleinsman so I can share you with my audience and we can get my podcast out to more women that need it. Also, I'd be super duper grateful if you could rate and review this podcast as it really does help others to find it. Thank you so, so much in advance and I'll see you on the next one.